Broadcasting from the News Radio 102.9 KARN Radio Center and Studio 1B, it is Gluttony Unplugged with Scott Romine. Hey, Scott Romine here. I hope you're having a fantastic Saturday. Very excited about our guest uh, on, on this week's show, John Hart. He's a well-known trainer, uh, bodybuilder. He's an author. He's got a YouTube channel. He's the oldest winner of Mr. America of all time. He's also natural Mr. Universe. Uh, he does a lot of stuff uh, in gyms out there in California, training people. He's got books out on the market, and he's all over social media, too. So very cool. John Hart, great to talk to you. Yes, thank you, Scott, for having me on your show. I really appreciate the time. Well, we have never had a Mr. America. That's a first. Oh, so, oh, wow. So, well, that's an honor. Thank you. So if you're the oldest Mr. America all time, how old is that? <laughs> well, uh, well, I'm the oldest overall winner since 1939. So uh, from 1939 to present day, uh, I... Won it in 2013, and I was 48 years, five months, and 24 days old. So you're just a little older than I am. So I'm sure you grew up on the Dukes of Hazard and Star Wars and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's the best years to be a kid. I want to ask you about before we get into your career and stuff. I got to ask you about something very topical. Uh, are very current, which is we just lost Rick Drayson. And for those that don't know who Rick Drayson is, would would you tell the audience? And then did you know the guy? Uh, Well, yes, as a matter of fact. Uh, Now, Rick was two two things to most people, most well-known as two things. First of all, he was a professional wrestler. He was called the Equalizer, you know, and he had the voice that went with it. He was the Equalizer, baby, Mm -hmm. like that. So he was a professional wrestler as well. And that was all the way from uh, the 70s straight through the 80s, 90s. And then he did commercials and movies and TV as well. And then on the other side of the coin, he was well known and he's almost an iconic figure as being one of the original training partners of Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was a golden era bodybuilder all through the 70s. A lot of those black and white pictures that you see of Arnold's training back in the day they involve right there next to him, right there, you know, spotting him right there, working out with him is Rick Drayson. And then Rick, as he got into the later years, so he just passed last Sunday at 76. So in the last 20 or 15 years since YouTube became popular, he had one of the most popular podcasts on YouTube. He had a show called Rick's Corner. And I was a guest on his show every other Wednesday, every God. two yeah, two times a month or so. I was a guest on the show. So go go find just let me give a little plug for Rick, okay? Just sure. in, his, in his memory right here is all your listeners, you want to go online to YouTube, find his channel. It's called Rick Drayson, R I C, and then the second word is D R A S I N, and go and watch some of the shows and you know, you'll find oh, he's got about 1500 shows with a lot of golden era classic bodybuilders and uh, wrestlers and great personalities and from my end, it was just always fun going on the show. We did a lot of spontaneous things and uh, talked about a lot of spontaneous topics as well. So a uh, lot, a lot of fun. And yes, I just did a tribute video to him on my YouTube channel as well. Now, John, I understand two things about Rick, because I watched his channel too. And the guy, the stories the guy knew was just incredible, the life he had lived. But yeah. I understand he drew the famous Gold's Gym logo. Everyone knows the bodybuilder picking up the bent weight bar. 
Yeah. That, that, that was his artwork. And that he also was on an episode of The Incredible Hulk. Well, it was more than just an episode. So you have that right. He did the original, um, you know, muscle guy, the gold gym guy, the baldy right. uh, version of it. And, uh, and, and he would do custom autographed pictures for anybody right up until he passed. And so that was kind of fun. And then, yes, you have it right. He was what was called the Demi Hulk or the mid-range Hulk on the TV series, The Incredible Hulk. You remember with Bill Bixby oh, of course. and Lou Ferrigno, right? Lou Ferrigno was the Hulk. And when he would go into transition from the Bill Bixby character, from, you know, David Banner, he would transition into the Hulk, the halfway picture where he was like half human and half Hulk. That was Rick Drayson. So he played that guy with like, you know, half the Hulk's muscle mass and he would be half white, half green. Ah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the guy. So he played that part. The guy did a lot of cool stuff. So you're Mr. A big Mr. America winner. Tell me, when you win that, do you get? Everyone says I got a pro card. Is there such a thing yeah. as a real physical card, or or what is what is that? Yeah, I could send you a picture of my card. Actually, I have a <laughs> I have an actual uh, pro bodybuilder card uh, from the now now when I had won it. The Mr. America, it was drug tested uh, for about a three-year period. And then we were drug tested for steroids and performance-enhancing drugs. And that was from 2011 to 2013. And when I won it uh, in 2013, I was drug tested. And they gave me a professional card in the World Natural Bodybuilding Federation, the WNBF. So I do, in fact. And then you can compete in the professional circuit around the world. And I did so for about four years until 2017. And then, you know, at that point you got to kind of, I'm 55 now. So I'm a, uh, a little bit, <laughs> you know, I was at the tail end of a fun career. And so, yes, I got to train and compete into my fifties, my early fifties. And awesome. I did. Yeah, I did. I took, uh, I took second place in a pro show up in Canada and did very well with that. And I went to the world championships twice and I placed as high as sixth place in the world in the heavyweight class. So it was fun. You know, it was it, all of that became Scott for me, icing on the cake. For me, the cake itself was Mr. America. That was my kid's dream, you know, for all my life since I was a little kid. And so to do that, uh, you know, it's, it's just amazing when I have people say to me that they've looked up on Wikipedia, Mr. America contest, and they see my name on there. You know, to me, that's just amazing. <laughs> Who is some other Mr. Americas that perhaps the audience would recognize? I think there's some actors that oh, were yeah. Mr. America, correct? Yeah, Steve Reeves is Hercules from back in the day. Uh, Steve Reeves was the original Hercules character from the 1950s and 60s. Uh, amazing, beautiful physique, beautiful man. Uh, you know, he won it in 19. 50, I believe off the top of my head. I'm, I'm really pressed on that one. Um, Lou Ferrigno, on the other hand, Lou Ferrigno won it exactly 40 years before me. I was the 40th anniversary of his win. Wow. So he won it in 1973. And so he won the Mr. America. So those are probably the two biggest name off the top of my head. You know, everybody seems to know Lou Ferrigno like they know oh, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? I have so, heard that, uh, I don't know if it's true or not, I think I've heard Sonny Schroyer from the Dukes of Hazard had competed in Mr. America, and I want to say maybe Bill Smith or William Smith, who was Conan's dad in the movie, you know, he was an actor, I think he may yeah. have been a Mr. America 
competitive. Now that, see, I'm smiling as you say all of that because the first name I'm not sure of, but the second one, William, Mr. Smith, I call him Mr. Smith. Uh, I've, I've, I knew him, you know, quite well. I was a trainer over at world gym in, uh, in Santa Monica and then in Venice and then in Marina del Rey. And Mr. Smith would come in every day. And so I know William Smith and I'm not sure if he competed in it. I just know that he had an amazing body and he, you know, as you could tell in a lot of the shows that he was on oh. everything from like the Rockford files. So he was in a lot of TV shows as well as movies back I in think the day. He was right? in Red Dawn. And he was uh, he was Conan's dad. Yes, he was. He was an alarm. He was always known for those monster arms. He he always played a bad guy in most of the movies, like the the thug, and he uh, had monster arms, big oh, arms. He was he on Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, Is that right? yeah, he did a two part <laughs> series of Dukes of Hazard. He did a, all of our favorite stuff. When yes, you when yes. you say World's Gym there in Venice yes. Beach, is it World's Gym or Gold's Gym that that really we're thinking of when we when we see black and white pictures of Arnold and Lou and those guys training? Gold's Gym was originally started by Joe Gold, and therefore the name, right? Right. And that was the original gym. All the black and whites, all the old time pictures are from the original Gold's Gym, which was just a house in Venice. It's still there, and it was the basement of the house and it's off of Pacific Avenue in Venice, California. And then that grew into a big franchise. Joe gold sold it off and went back into the merchant Marine in 1973. And then in 1976, he came back out of the merchant Marine. And when he did, he had already sold the rights to his own name. So he was left with not much except to start a new gym. And he wanted to go ahead and call it World Gym, and that's what he did. I got you. We're talking with John Hart. He's telling us the difference between Gold's Gym and World Gym. And, of course, there's also an outdoor gym on the beach there in California that everyone knows from the photos of Franco Colombo and Arnold. And Is it all kind of the same thing or somewhat related? No. The only relationship is between the three of them, Scott, the, the big relationship is that the golden era bodybuilders, that's what they're called. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Franco Colombo, all of those guys, Dave Draper, they would go and they would work out pretty much at all three. So Gold's Gym was the original gym owned by Joe Gold and started by Joe Gold. He sold it off, as I said before the break. He sold it off, went into the Merchant Marine for three years. But when he got out, he started another uh, franchise called World Gym. And they were both located in Venice, California. And then down on the actual beach, Venice Beach, was the pit, Muscle Pit. Oh, yeah. Muscle Beach. And that's where you're seeing all the outdoor pictures of Arnold and Franco and all the guys working outside in the black and white. And you see a little fence around them and people like gawking at them and staring. It was an exciting time, you know, down at, at Venice Beach. It's still to this day, it's just a big attraction. And that gym still exists today, correct? Absolutely, yes. That's uh, that's in Venice Beach, the pit. It's there. Now we're talking with John Hart. He is Mister America. He was the he's the oldest Mister America. Tell us what was your inspiration to get into bodybuilding? Oh wow, wow, that's a good question. Wow, Scott, you're pulling out the archives. I'm right trying. Here. I'm well, trying. I'll tell you what. Back in the day, uh, when I was a little little boy. There's and people can search this online if they just search my name and they spell it right H E A R T right. If you do a, a little Google search, you'll find some pictures pop up under images and you'll see a little baby picture of me wearing a diaper 
and on the diaper itself, it actually says "Future Mister America." So it's quite the pro- <laughs> yeah, wow, it's quite the pro- prophetic diaper, right? Right. And when I was a kid, you know, my parents, my grandparents, they used to have fun, you know, having us pose, muscle poses, and things like that. My dad was a real athlete uh, at one point in time, basketball and baseball. He had, you know, uh, back in the '60s, he had gotten to the point where the, he had an invite to the Yankees uh, as a shortstop. Uh, a second baseman, I apologize, a second baseman, and uh, and he actually uh, chose to go and raise his family because, of course, you know, his wife, that would be my mom, pregnant with me at the time. So he went and got a job instead back then. They didn't make the kind of money that athletes do today. So that's a little side story. But they were very athletic and promoted me as such. I always did athletic things as a kid. And, you know, the physique, it was a big deal with us. Uh, they, the, my dad had muscles and he'd show off his and I was always impressed by muscles. And then next thing you know, my dad's brother took me in the, Oh, it was 1980. He took me to a, a seminar in Brooklyn, New York at a local gym. And it was a seminar given by one of the top bodybuilders of the day in 1980, 1979, I apologize, 1979. And that would be Boyer Co. He had just taken, yep. He had just taken third place in the Mr. Olympia. And I sat there in that, seminar and everything inside me got lit up. I mean, if you can ever make a case for just God put something in somebody's heart and when they got exposed to it, it just jumped alive, became alive. It was that day, you know, it was just so intense because I walked out of there and I had to know more and more and more about it. And I was only like 15 years old, but at that time, uh, I took my time researching it. So for the next two years or so, I did a lot of reading and researching and checked out magazines. And, you know, we didn't have an internet back then, so you had to wait for magazines or go to the library. And that's what I did. And I actually did a lot of research on bodybuilding and on muscle building and things like that as a young man. And so I was pretty well ready to go by the time I actually started lifting, by the time I was, oh, 17 or 18, right in that zone. Did you have good genetics for this? Were some body parts easier than others for you? I mean... And how big a part of role is that? Wow, that's a really great question. Uh, genetics are huge, first of all. Um, on, on my end, I grew up as a, a thin boy, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything with regards to the potential. Uh, once you do lift weights, the only way to find out your potential is to go ahead and go for something. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about bodybuilding or basketball or, you know, uh, it could be you know, archery for that matter. If you have a great nervous system, you could have a steady hand. You'd be great at archery, right? So in bodybuilding, genetics play a huge role. Your ability to build a large amount of muscle mass is generally genetically predetermined to a degree. And when you go and you start working out, you get a pretty good inclination as far as your ability to build muscle mass if you start growing right away, my first year working out, I put on like 20 pounds of lean mass. A lot. So I went from a very, yeah, I went from a very thin boy to, you know, all of a sudden I had the wrestling coaches, the football coaches at school, you know, all on me about coming and joining and, you know, playing. So it, it made that much of a difference right near the end of my high school years. And so that does have a lot to do with it. As far as body parts go, well, the gym is just rife with people left and right, who just will come up to me as a trainer, and they're always asking, you know, they have tiny calves. What can I do to build my calves? Or they have small biceps, or they have, 
you know, narrow shoulders. But listen to what I'm saying. Those calves, depending on the length of the muscle, the bicep, depending on the length of the muscle and the number of muscle cells in those muscles, that determines how big they can get. So some people just have very short, short muscle bellies. And so therefore their potential will be a little bit lower. As far as not having, you know, wide shoulders, your clavicles, how wide the bone structure is, that is what I mean by being predetermined. However wide the bones are, that's what you got. And somebody like a Steve Reeves that I mentioned in the last segment, Steve Reeves, you know, Mr. America back in 1950s and, and Hercules in the movies, he had genetically super wide shoulders and a genetically super small waist. And when you have that combination, it's really hard to beat. When you have that combination and you start working out, people notice it and they usually will encourage you to get more involved in the sport. So that's pretty much where genetics comes in. Yeah. You know, we're losing so many classic bodybuilders. It seems like kind of at a young age. And I, I guess that's steroids and drug use from back in the day. And maybe it wasn't even illegal back in the day. What Was it legal at some point? And if so, what, what were they using or taking maybe that they shouldn't have been? Okay, great. Oh, man, you have all the great questions. So, yes, back in the day, I'm a natural bodybuilder, okay, so I don't use any of those drugs. But I've been around them. I've spent, you know, in a non-judgmental way. So I'm just going to state facts as I go through this. I'm not going to – I don't judge any of them for using or judge anybody for not using, Okay. But back in the day, Scott, uh, you know, the, you mentioned a lot of the Golden Era bodybuilders passing at this point in time. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of them, you know, they seem to be passing from similar things. And I say similar, meaning the actual, you know, health conditions. It's usually the heart yep. or the coronary or, you know, cardiovascular system. And that's because back in the day, in the 70s and in the early 80s, a lot of the guys would take certain steroids that would increase or mess up their ratio of HDLs to LDLs. Anybody who's had a blood test knows what I'm talking about. High-density lipoproteins versus low-density. And the way that we want them to be when you're healthy is you want to have a lot, a high amount of high-density lipoproteins. That's the form of cholesterol. And you also want to have a low amount of low-density lipoproteins. And when they combine those two numbers, they give you your total cholesterol when you have a blood test, okay? So just to give the layman's version of everything right there. And when the guys back in the day would take the steroid, they would end up, the steroid would act on a lot of their bodies to reverse those proportions. That's the negative. It would reverse the LDL with the HDL. And you would have larger amounts of LDLs and lower amounts of HDLs. And the problem with that becomes, Scott, that the arteries become a plaque magnet for a lot of them. So not everybody, but right. those who were susceptible to that condition, they, it would turn their arteries into plaque magnets. So they would, and again, anybody who's been, who's had a physical, you all know what I mean by plaque. And so it clog those arteries up for a lot of them yeah it's not good you know the drug thing we were talking about steroids this sport more than any seems to have a problem with that wouldn't you say oh wow scott boy that's the comment I mean, I, I hate that. Lot. I mean, I hate that because, you know, as a teenager, when I was really into lifting, when you start to realize you can't quite get to, you can't be 
you know, freakishly without getting into that, it's kind of discouraging. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. It, that part is, and it is factual. Well, how did you is. overcome that and stay natural? Say, look, I can get as big as I can get, and this is what I'm going to do. Wow. I didn't have fear. That's the first thing. Uh, it was a choice. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to be so transparent on this program. Obviously, we're getting right down to the raw stuff and the real yeah. subject matter here. Um, yes, uh, the, the drugs have been around. Yes, I've hung around with uh, you know, drug bodybuilders, you know, drug-using bodybuilders my whole life, my whole adult life. And I even had a roommate at one point uh, for years who we were the opposites. I was the natural version, and you know, he was not. And the truth of the matter is, is I saw what happened to my closest friends early on. Mm. Even as a teenager, I saw what happened to my closest friends. I saw the hair falling out. Well, you know, if you find pictures of me today, I shaved my head today. Right. I, I, I look good with a bald head. Sure. As I got a little bit older, my hair just started to naturally thin out a little bit. I, I didn't mind. I shaved it one day. I said, no, it looks good. And I left it that way. So I just like it. But, the other thing, so I saw hair thinning out. I liked my hair all the way up until my, you know, late forties, my mid forties. And so that part, I wasn't willing to give up. And then number two, uh, boy, this is really getting a little raw here. Their sex life. The one thing they don't want to talk about. Okay. And the one thing they don't bring up their wives do and their girlfriends do. That's for sure. Because as a single man, I heard it and I sure, sure as heck noticed that a lot of those men had some problems in the bedroom. Ah. And so I was not willing to give that up either, you know? So I'm talking about performance now. Sure. I'm not you talking just about, avoided this stuff. There we go. So those two things were big enough in my life. Uh, maybe it's a little vain of me to say I liked my hair, but then the other part too was, you know, I liked my sex as a single man. This is before I was a Christian man. I want to be straight up about that too. I, I'm not advocating <laughs> all of that, but you know, as a single man, that is just the truth. We're talking plain and simple and straightforward, you know, and so I do want the, the listeners not to get the wrong impression or impression sure. that I'm some sort of a saint or anything like that. It was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just had selfish motives at the time and I saw what was happening with my boys and, and I would hear it from their girls, to be honest with you. That's what, what they were doing is they would share with me, uh, in, you know, in certain situations, some of the stories and it was not good. And the, the men were in denial. There yeah, you go. I got and men, you. Just to have that extra half an inch or that extra inch and a half on their arm, yeah. they were giving up a lot of performance in the bedroom, ah. if you understand my meaning. Well, you hear ads about this thing all the time, you know, about that <laughs> yeah. issue all the time. Hey, you know, I look at your pictures. My mind goes back to, man, he's ripped like one of my, like Rambo 2. You were really yeah. cut up like Stallone and Rambo 2, which got me wondering was at least Sly a natural bodybuilder at that time? And could he have been competitive? Well, um, Sly, by the way, great man. I used to work out at a gym in Santa Monica, and I would see him every morning. And when I was 24 years old, he was 42. So I do know how old he is. Okay, sure. <laughs> And uh, great man, great personality. And it was at the height of his career. And I really enjoyed his company in the gym and messing around with him. Now, Sly was not natural. Okay, this he he, he at, to this day at this point in time he openly admits his uh, usage. 
of, of you know, hormone replacement therapy at least. Right. Okay? And back in the day, he was not natural either. And in the gyms, it was a well-known fact. It was well-known. So uh, could he have had the look that he achieved? Yes, he can. Because like you just said, I'm a natural guy. Sure. And, and you know, when I won the Mr. America, yes, a natural bodybuilder looks like a great athlete in their, in their clothes. Okay. They just look very fit. They could be an athlete in almost any sport that you can imagine. And then yet when the clothes come off, it's like, wow, you got an anatomy chart walking around right there. That's a natural bodybuilder. So physically in their clothes, not very imposing. They look fit. You know, I get confused all the time uh, for being an MMA fighter. That's what I get asked Hi, a I got lot. You. Yeah. You see? So there are people on the street. I get people on the street asking me, uh, you know, I mean, I've been challenged a couple of times. <laughs> and they, yeah, and it's a combination of my physique. It looks like that of an MMA fighter even now as I'm, you know, 55. But then also my face because my face, I guess my straight face, my dad had it. My brother has it. I have it. My kids have it. It's, it's just, they think with a straight face that, you know, I'm trying to be Mr. Tough guy or something. And I'm not, it's just my straight face. You know, I'm not being emotive at that point in time. Well, maybe you can answer a question I've always wondered to me. The, my favorite movie of all time is commando. And I've always wondered, you know, once Arnold has done competing in 80, but yet you're making things like Conan and commando, right? Do you become natural or do you still need something to look like you do by 1985, even though you haven't even competed in five years? Boy, you have a great show. Well, I mean, <laughs> really? that, I wonder that kind of thing, because that's the kind of movie I'm watching as a 10 year old kid going, this is the greatest thing of all. And I still I watched it last week and I still think this is the greatest thing of all time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, now, look. Uh, the one thing I did say already is that is the Stallone look achievable naturally? Yes. Fact is, yes, it is. Uh, you can look under, go online and find the natural bodybuilding organization that I mentioned in the earlier segments, and you'll find all the athletes in, in my sport. They all look like that. They all look be- a little bit bigger than that even now. Yeah, that's okay? true. So yeah. with the with the advances in nutrition and training techniques, uh, the drugs became less necessary for the natural bodybuilders and they actually have built some good muscle and highly defined. Okay. When you talk about somebody Arnold size, and again, I'm, I'm not going to name names, but back in the day, keep in mind, I just did mention that I worked out at world gym. I worked out at gold's gym. I was a trainer at world gym. I, 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 you know, I know a lot of the people involved, um, you know, back in the day, Arnold's height of his career commando. Yes height of his career, uh, uh, you know, Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. Predator. Uh, was he, was he predator? Yes. Was he natural? No. Ah. Well-known fact in the gym. In, and I say in the gyms where I was at, which was by the way, his gym. So again, I'm not naming names, but the reality check on it is he was not natural. Do I have, you know, do I need to go and prove such a thing? Well, no, Scott, you just asked me the question. We're on a radio show. Yeah, you I'm know, going to say, yeah, I'm just going to tell you the truth. That's I mean, you're Mr. America. Truth. You know. I mean, to me, <laughs> looking at The Rock at his age, yeah. we're about the same age. To me, he looks unobtainable to be what he looks like right now. 
Yeah, at, at times, because he seems to vary up and down a little bit depending on the role that he has, you know? Right. So he's a real, to me, he's a real outlier because, boy, his genetics are amazing. Yep. And you combine that with his, you know, his, his dad was Rocky Johnson. He was a professional wrestler. His mom was Samoan. He's got that genetics. His dad was a freak, a muscular freak. And so he has amazing genetics. And you could see that in certain roles where, you know, they're not requiring him to be like the big muscular guy, he tones it down. And then in other yeah. ones, he's suddenly, you know, massive. It's, it's kind of fun to speculate, but sure. I usually kind of go, well, I don't really, really know. And in The Rock's case, he's an amazing actor, an amazing uh, uh, physique, and with amazing genetics. And if you told me he was natural, I'd really, you know, 99% of the time, I'd probably say, yeah, he's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. Hey, Scott Roman here. If you're just now joining us, we're talking with John Hart. He's Mr. America, knows all kind of stuff about bodybuilding. We've been talking about Arnold Stallone and competing and all the stuff he's done. Let's talk about COVID-19 is hit and a dumbbell is worth more than gold all of a sudden. What do, what do people need to be doing about being careful to go in, in the gym or can they be doing something at home that maybe is simple? Wow. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And yes. <sighs> dumbbells, first of all, in quick <laughs> order, dumbbells, exercise equipment, it doesn't matter which kind it is. You're right. It's it's a, unobtainable. It, it's like gouging going on out there right now. Yes. And, and, you know, from a business perspective, supply and demand, capitalism. Okay, fine. I respect that. And, you know, when the demand is up, you're going to go and get yours for now. So I guess a lot of places, people, I should say, more people than, than businesses specifically are just raising their prices sky high and selling things, you know, on offer up and certain apps or, you know, online, right? right? So the prices are very, very high. And that is right because the gyms have been closed. Um, you know, safety wise, getting back into the gyms. Uh, wow. Are they even open Depends. in California? They're open here. Uh, you know what? The majority of gyms are not open in California. And out here we are, very few of them are. The one that I train people out of is has been converted to an outdoor gym 100%. So the day they said you're closed, the owner of the gym took all the equipment, put it out in the parking lot, bought easy ups, 35 easy ups, and put them over all of the equipment. And then, you know, it's the middle of the summer, of course, right? Sure. So it's not raining. In Southern California, we don't get rain hardly at all. And then, uh, then suddenly, uh, he put some good sunshades over the parking lot. So it's really, really nice and cool. And then, you know, the Department of Health comes on in, checks everything out, and they actually now have been by semi-weekly, and they've been giving thumbs up. They declare it's really an example for other businesses. And, you know, he's done all the little things from having, you know, hand sanitizer everywhere, temperature check. You know, any business that opens up that's worth their salt should have the thermal temperature check right at the door as well as hand sanitizer. But then you know, getting into the gym, just simple cleaners. I mean, wipe your stuff off, you know, when you're done or before you get on it, obviously. Uh, but if you're in a commercial gym setting, uh, like myself, I've been in there since I was a teenager. Scott, I believe 100% that my immune system has been exposed 
to so many viruses and bacteria over the years that, you know, anybody who's been in a gym regularly, you, you we must have just super immune systems. I really, really believe that. So that I'm, I'm hardcore about. And so I don't have a lot of fear about going back into the gym. And I don't believe that a lot of people who have been in the gym prior to this should have any, you know, much fear as well. I know COVID is a big, big issue. If you have pre-existing conditions, obviously, uh, you might want to be a little bit patient because in the upcoming months with the gyms opening up around the country, so where you're at right now, they've been open, but sure. states that had them closed are starting to open up. So as they open up, everybody watch your, you know, keep your eyes open, look online because there's going to be a huge fire sale of gym equipment everywhere. That's and coming, it isn't it? Hit, yeah. That's right. And when it does hit, go get yours. Get whatever it is you need so that if this should ever happen again, you'll be covered. I'm as far as uh, as far as having specific exercises you can do or specific routines or what to do with your diet, uh, there's if you hit YouTube, there's a million videos out there, not just on my channel. My channel is Mr. America Heart, three words, Mr. America, and then heart like the blood pump, H-E-A-R-T. And, you know, maybe, Scott, you put a link up somewhere online about that. That would be nice. Sure. And, uh, and other than that, you know, I, I offer a lot of information on my site, all for free on my channel, I should say. And you'll see there's a lot on there about diet, exercise through the COVID, through the pandemic, and then what to do, especially once you get back to the gym. I mean, really important because everybody gets back to that gym and they're hitting it whew, 100 miles an hour. You know, <laughs> they got to oh, get yeah. their physique back. And that is a problem. So check out my channel. You'll see there's a lot on there about it. So tell us about something that I hear a lot about, and I don't know if this is good or bad or effective, but people keep posting about doing these fastings. Mm. Tell us about yeah. that and what does it do for you? So I've, I've done at least three or four videos on intermittent fasting and you know comparing it to you know regular clean eating, comparing it to vegan eating, vegetarian, comparing it to carnivore, comparing it to, you know, just a standard uh, golden era bodybuilding diet, high protein. Okay. And in doing so, uh, it's, first of all, intermittent fasting is a practice. It has slightly different variations. The general one, I know that there's going to be some IF people out there. Those are the initials for intermittent fasting. We're going to just try and, you know, <laughs> write into your station right away on this one because they'll say I have it wrong, but I don't. The basic formula for it is to not eat for 18 hours in a 24-hour period, and then you get a six-hour window to eat. And you don't just so, eat anything. You, you eat healthy, right, in that window? Well, now there's different ways of doing that part, that six-hour window, okay? So that six-hour window, the best programs that I have found, the ones that that really do consider health, not just body composition, yes, they do involve eating very good foods during those time periods and, you know, for that six-hour time period. And in doing so, it's usually uh, very calorie-dense foods that will stay with you a little bit. So it's not going to be very light foods because otherwise you'd be starving all day long. But the idea or the principle behind it is to go – 18 hours without food, your system gets a little bit of a break. The digestive system is not using so much energy like most Americans do, eating a bunch of garbage. 
Their system is used to processing sludge. So the fasting part of intermittent fasting involves giving the entire digestive system a nice break. The second part about it is they claim, I say they because I'm talking about the proponents of intermittent fasting, they claim that there's a regenerative or a restorative aspect to that fast wherein the body kills off dead blood cells, dead, dead cells, not necessarily blood cells, ah. but just dead cells and uses them for energy or kills off unnecessary cells and uses them for energy. And so, you know, in that regard, I can see those applications. It sounds nice. It sounds good. Eating for six hours, again, after having that break digestively, again, there's going to be a nice little energy boost once you do have the food. Sure. And your body will become very efficient at digesting and breaking down that food. Now, the problems with it, okay, these are the negatives that I've found in all of the uh, uh, videos that I've done and the mild, I'll say mild, because I'm not going to say I'm an expert on this. I am a you know, definite observer of it for years at this point. So here's my empirical observation. If you're interested in building muscle and you're interested in, you know, building your physique, then it's not the best way to go. It's been, you know, basically proven, you know, over the course of years and years, empirically speaking, that having multiple meals a day will be more effective and assist the muscle building process. Now, if you want to be lean, super lean, and that's your priority, and having bigger muscles is not the priority, then there's nothing wrong with intermittent fasting, and it'll definitely assist you in that way. There's the big advantage. Staying lean or getting leaner on an intermittent fast definitely works, definitely great for you. The problem is, is when we call it a catch-all type of diet where people claim that it can make you super lean and you're going to build this muscle what? Yeah. Out of thin air? Probably you know, not. Out of thin air, Scott. Yeah. Talk to me, right? They're going to happen. So it's, it's biologically impossible. It does not happen. Even though the people who claim that it does, they are not taking into account the fact that you can put on some muscle mass during parts of that intermittent fast, usually in the beginning, because you're highly motivated. But once your body catches on to what's going on, it's not going to continue to do that. It's a survival machine. Your body's all about saving your life. So if it detects that you're not taking in enough food, it's just going to lower that metabolism and slow it down for your survival. There is my empirical observation over the last, you know, I'm going on 40 years next year being involved. So Well, you're Mr. America. I think you would know. <laughs> John Hart, thanks, <laughs> well, thank so, you. thanks so much for being on the show. And g give us all the YouTubes and the links and where people can find you. Yes, on YouTube. You can go to my channel is three words, Mr. M-R, America, Hart, H-E-A-R-T. And you can find me also just with a simple search. If you search my name on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, John Hart, H-E-A-R-T, you'll see all my channels pop up over there. They're usually Mr. A Hart is usually my handle on all of those other social media platforms. But it might be a slight variation on one or two of them. Thank so you. find me out there, especially on YouTube. Hit me up with your comments. I love to hear them. Thank you so much. John Hart, Mr. America, Scott Roman, Guanyan Plug. Go have a great Saturday. We will see you next week.